yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You got your ass, babe. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host Eddie Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk and welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for checking it out. Thank you for listening. As I tell you every week, the interviews you hear on this podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard live Monday through Friday from 3 to 5 Eastern on Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103 or anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and you only listen to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny fraction of the Rock Talk news calls and interviews that I do on a daily basis on the radio. So I hope you come on board and join us for Trunk Nation on Faction Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 103. This week, an interview from Los Angeles when I was in L.A. just a couple weeks ago. I was uh, out there with the guys in Anvil. Now, Anvil's documentary, Anvil, the story of Anvil, really set the benchmark for Rock Docs when it came out about 12, 13 years ago. And recently, the film was re-released, and I had a chance to have all three members of Anvil, including founding members Lips and Rob Reiner, in studio with me, along with the film's director, Sasha Gervasi, to talk about the impact that the movie made over the last 12 years and the impact it had or did not have on the guys in Anvil. Now you can see the movie. It has been re-released and thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring you this interview with the guys from the Sirius XM studios in LA a couple weeks ago. Enjoy on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Joining me here in the studio, some, well, some really old friends that I go way, way, way back to uh, from my earliest days starting a metal radio show back in 83. Uh, We have uh, from Anvil, Rob Reiner here. Good to see you, Rob. Nice to see you, Eddie. I was saying that earlier. And uh, not, nice. I like the hair, man. Oh, right. It's na- a new na- color. It's called natural wisdom. Natural wisdom. <laughs> Is that your natural color? You got it, dude. It works for you, man. It looks good. <laughs> Thank you. Seriously. And, Listen, uh, COVID fucking pissed me off, and I got sick and dyed my hair. You say you just stop. You just don't give a shit anymore. They got it. I, I got it. That, that's how I got here. <laughs> and of course lips is here too good to see you man good to be seen yeah and uh you're looking well also yeah not bad did covid piss you off too no but it got me pretty sick oh you got it <laughs> oh yeah oh you got it um we'll get into all this and yeah. also uh here a guy that i met and have become friends with through this documentary when it originally came out director sasha gervasi good to see you bud ed thanks for having us man it's, sasha it's always exciting. looks tanned in la with his well i mean i live here what am i gonna do man i'm gonna stick <laughs> sit inside and put my head in a fridge move that mic around so we oh, yeah, can get yeah. right on it there um, no it's 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 so great to be it's like surreal being in the studio with you again yeah. 13 years after well i was going to ask what the timeline is on this is it well it's it, it's kind of a, 
accident of fortune because what happened was 13 is obviously the name of the this is 13 is the name of the Andal record that's being recorded um when you see during the making of the movie but actually what happened last summer my godson rio hansen said his mother rebecca produced the movie and he said i'd love to see that movie you and my mum made when i was like three years old so i said sure come up to the house i'll show you the movie he said do you mind if i bring some friends and he brought all of his high school buddies and we had this screening and all these kids loved the movie and they started freaking out about it so the screening spread we did one we did two we did four we ended up doing 10 screenings and all of these contemporary artists ended up hearing about it um like people like young blood like unexpected kind of rock people um jim james from my morning jacket like a cross-section of music as well as a lot of the old metal guys and um unbeknownst to us because these screenings kind of spread you know they were word of mouth screenings two film distributors heard about the movie, that kids were rocking to this movie, and we got two offers to re-release the movie into theaters. <laughs> so, so let me remember this because, and we should mention Christ is here. Are we introducing Christ? Yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Christ, yeah. Christ is on Christ. your crew. I've just met Christ for yeah. the first time. Christ Hello. is Christ is our bass player, and he's, he's oh, he's a in full, your bass player. He's yeah, bass player. I wasn't he's sure been he was with playing. us for nine years, yeah. man. Well, I thought uh, yeah. Sal wasn't Sal playing. Yeah, for a short for about he, a year and he, a half. He was just hired help. Yeah. Sal was? Yeah, yeah, that's all he was. Oh, he was yeah. So Christ is your Christ is the third Anvil member now. He's been in the yeah, band for, for nine, nine years. years. I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't realize okay. that Christ. I'm sorry. No offense. I did not know. He's got I a, thought no Sal problem. was still in the no band. Problem. He's got a great. <laughs> a he's got a great name though. Are you Canadian, Christ? I am. So you're Canadian. Canadian. What? What is your real name? Chris Robertson. Chris Roberts. Welcome, Chris. Nice <laughs> Thank to you. see you. AKA. Okay, so the Chris, but Chris is. is uh, is not in the film, obviously, because he no, wasn't he's in, not the in the band. I, I'm the, the bassist to be named later. Yes. You're, you're going to be in volume two. You're the new. I, li- I live the continuing story of Anvil. All right. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you for welcome, being here. Welcome, Christ. So, so, Sash, I'm trying to get this, remember this, because I'm yeah. terrible with timelines. Yeah. When did you shoot the film? What year so, was it shot? So, in 2004, I was here in LA um, have, taking too much sun as usual. And I just thought, Anvil came into my mind. I was like, what, what happened to Anvil? I went online. I discovered they just played, they had a little website, which I still think they have, which is one of the most hilarious websites. Before you go any further with that, we should, for people who don't know this whole story, your initial connection to Anvil as a kid growing up in England was yes. that you went to see them. That's right. So April 6th, I think 1982, Sounds Magazine, which was a huge magazine in England, front cover was Lips in a bondage harness, holding a chainsaw with a dildo between his teeth. Well, the vibrator, I used to see, you played slide guitar with that. I saw that all the time back in the day. And Still the head, does it. And yeah. the headline was, Anvil is coming. And I was like, whoever this band is, they're going to really upset my mother. This is my band. And they so came, they saw, they conquered. <laughs> and so basically what I did was I, um, I got the record, Metal on Metal, hadn't heard a word. But because of the article and the five-star review, I was like, I got to listen to this band. I listened to them. I went nuts all summer. I played. Uh, the record. My mother, who was a classically trained concert pianist, was so upset. I'm was, sure she was. Mothra. She'd gone to Juilliard. She was not into Mothra on she, classical. Piano. She was not into six 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 or whatever else it was. Um, and and basically, I went to see them. They played the Monsters of Rock Donington Festival that summer, 1982, and they had two shows at the Marquee lined up for September 21 and 22. And I went to both shows. And on the second show, first of all. It was like so much better than I could ever have imagined listening to hearing the record because they came out and they just crushed the audience, right? First of all, 400 kids were turned away. So we were, I felt lucky to be in there with my buddy, the director, Jonas Ackerland, mm-hmm. who was also one of the original people at, at that show. And basically, 
lips came out and the, they blew everyone out. I, I was couldn't get over rob's drums like mm -hmm. his thundering tom-toms and the bass drums and the whole vibe was like they were like there to kill and they completely killed and i like on the second night i had to meet the band second night even better than the first night so luckily for me gary barden who was the lead singer of michael shanker group was, yeah. was arguing with the bouncer at the change room door because he wanted to get his girlfriend in and the bouncer was like I don't care who you are. Your girlfriend's not getting in. You can go in. Anyway, so they were having a little kerfuffle, and I darted around the back, and I got into the changing room, and I went straight up to these guys. And you've got to understand that we're like... You're a kid at this point. I'm a kid. I'm 15. Yeah. Yeah. So there you've got members of Whitesnake, Tigers of Pantang, Def Leppard, Phil Collin was there. Like, all these guys were there, and they were more interested in what I had to say, some no-one 15-year-old fan, than all these rock stars. Well, and they was... were too busy arguing with each other. <laughs> and being weird with the kids. Because, you know, you would go to the marquee at that time in London, and all, like, so many bands broke out of there. Twisted Sister, you'll remember. You know, there are a ton of bands. And you would often meet, like, certain band members, and they were kind of a bit sniffy. They were like, you're the kid. I want to hang out with the rock stars and where are the women. Right. But Anvil was like, they wanted to understand why I love the band so much, and particularly Rob wanted to understand why was I vibing so much on his drums, and I was discussing certain fills and stuff like that, and they were like, fuck, this guy's really listened to the record. And So anyway, I asked them what they were doing while they were in London, and they said, well, we've never been here before, and I offered to give them a tour. So the next couple of days, I spent taking Anvil to the Houses of Parliament, Westminster Abbey, the Tate Gallery, just... And it was just wonderful watching them experience these incredible places for the very first time. And of course, I went home because I thought I'm going to really piss off my mother, right? Because she hated all the posters of Anvil and the music and told me to turn off Metal on Metal. So I went to my house at 54 Abbey Road. I rang the doorbell. My mum came to it. She looked at me and she looked at Anvil and she said, you've got five minutes. <laughs> yes. But it was such an amazing thing to bring Anvil into my bedroom and they could see all the posters and listen to the records. And so it was just a great kind of screw you moment. So that's your bonding, initial bonding as a kid. And then flash forward to what you were saying before, 04-ish yeah, rolls around. I, well, and well, you're like, I wonder whatever happened to that band I brought into my bedroom as a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> well, not only that, they also invited me to go on tour with them. So I became Rob's drum roadie for two or three tours in the 80s. So they really adopted me. They were like the older brothers I'd never had. They were so sweet with he me. He was known as Teabag. Yeah, I remember I was, that. You saying that last time. Yeah. He's, he's now known as Gomez. <laughs> he's Gomez now, but it was Teabag then. What was it? Christ, Gomez. We got yeah. all kinds of uh, he's got a ha He's got a hairstyle called Mountain Wisdom. I, I mean, Mount, uh, I don't know what it is. Right. Um, anyway, so, so. Natural. Natural Wisdom. wisdom natural sorry. Wisdom. Um, so basically, I was like, whatever happened to them? And I went online and I discovered. Anvil had played a show in this pub in Quebec. It didn't look like there were more than 60 people there. So I wrote to the website, and I thought, who knows whether they'll even get my email. An hour later, I got an email back from Lips, and it said, Dear Teabag, we thought you died or became a lawyer. And I then <laughs> got his number and called it back, and I said, both. I went to law school, and I nearly died from various different substances. And so, so I said to Lips, man, you, i got to see you, man. I just had this instinct. I just really wanted to see him. So I sent him a ticket, and that following weekend, Lips came, and what I remember is he was he was wearing the same T-shirt that I'd last seen him in 20 years <laughs> He was wearing Scorpions Worldwide Live or whatever it was. I was like, and he was just as enthusiastic and excited. And like, he was, I just, I thought, my initial thought was, this is 
tragic. Now, when you reconnect, because this band is still going. I was, yeah, Sash, when you yeah. reconnect, a lot changed in your world. So, oh four, when this reconnection happens, mm-hmm. at this point, you are in Hollywood. You've you've worked on some movies. You've got a successful career. You're mm-hmm. not the 15-year-old teabag anymore. You're now in a position well, I just of making had, movies. I just had written a script and Steven Spielberg had directed it and Tom Hanks had starred in it. And so I had- a terminal? Yeah, it was a terminal. Right. And so I, I was working on, on, on this movie and that had just been made and there were lots of other possibilities coming in. And when I saw Lips, it suddenly occurred to me, I don't know, he, he had this enthusiasm. And at first I was like, they're just totally deluded. This is just, this is terrible. They should just give up. That was my first thing. But by the end of the weekend, I was like, fuck no let's go for it like i was so because he refused to like quit and and the be, perseverance yeah, which and, is and, the whole th- and, thread of the film the whole thrill is per- about perseverance not, about not, not giving up not giving up but also yeah. not being bitter and just taking your chances and so i took him to actually my mentor is this incredible screenwriter called steve zalian who wrote schindler's list he's unbelievable he also wrote and directed searching for bobby fisher and you know he wrote uh, and directed the night of like recently i mean he's one of the greats um, and I took Lips to Steve's house. And so I was watching through the window <laughs> as Steve's wife, Elizabeth, was, was listening to Lips outside. And we were watching through this window making coffee. And there, were, there was Lips explaining to Elizabeth, like, this is what we're doing and blah, blah, blah. And Steve said, who is this crazy guy you brought to my house? And I said, his name is Lips. And let me tell you the story. And I told him the story. And Steve was like, oh, my God. And they're still going for it. That could be a movie. And we started, like, talking about it. And so then I was like, you know what? This could be really good. My first instinct was like, maybe I'll do like a dramatized version. And then I came around to the idea that the, the reality is the reality. There's nothing better than actually real people, right? right. So I went, I, I got this incredible producer called Rebecca Yeldum, who was, had been a programmer at Sundance. She had produced The Kite Runner and Motorcycle Diaries, like a really seriously brilliant independent producer. And I pitched her the story, like these two best friends who, when they were 14, decided to rock forever and they were still doing it. They're, they're doing these jobs, and, but they're still not giving up on their dream. And she said, I hate heavy metal. I love this story. We have to do this movie together. Right. So we embarked upon doing this movie. And I remember coming to the Toronto Film Festival, Rebecca said, I got to meet Lips and Rob. You know, let's, I just need to know them and sort of feel it out. And so we went to this restaurant. She took us to this incredible restaurant. And... Um, she lips opened the menu and he started to get emotional. And Rebecca said, what's making you emotional about this menu? <laughs> it's just different kinds of fish. It's not that emotional. And lips said, you know, I delivered fish to this restaurant for nine years. Oh, wow. And I've, I've never, never, beaten, never, never eaten here. And I've never eaten here. Never, Where was never, the restaurant? Never, here? No, it was in Toronto. In Toronto. Oh, so you went to Toronto. So we went to the Toronto okay, Film Festival. Yeah. She had a movie. I see, okay. And so it was this place, Bistro 9, 190 or 90. Yeah, yeah. And so lips was so like, happy that he was actually able to eat at the restaurant. Is it an expensive restaurant? Pretty yeah. expensive. So you were just like, fuck yeah, I'm eating here now, finally. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm no delivery boy today. That's right. <laughs> but so, so we had this. Inc- I'm having the most expensive. Did you order the most expensive? expensive no, thing? Uh, I, I would have no. ordered three of the most expensive. Fuck yeah. By the I'm way, gonna... Robbo ordered seven. No delivery to boy today. <laughs> Go get your shoebox. <laughs> so anyway, so we had this moment and that's when Rebecca said, okay, I understand. I understand what, what this is. And so basically what happened was I then took some time to think about it with Rebecca and I flew back to Toronto and I took Lips to my Uncle Marty's house on Ava Road. (laughs) And we sat there and I said, Lips, look, I don't know what's going to happen. We hadn't shot a film, a frame of footage. We don't have a crew, but I think I'm going to make a movie about you and Rob. And I think I'm going to make a movie about not giving up. And it's all centered around Andor. And Lips' first reaction 
was he got incredibly emotional. <laughs> and I said, I haven't shot anything yet. What are you thinking? And he said, I already know what's going to happen. And I was like, okay, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, you have no idea what's going to unleash from this. And I imagine in some parallel universe, I'm having this conversation with Lips, not really understanding what he's saying. And here we are on the second release of this film, 15 years after that. It's amazing because the first time I heard about it, so as I mentioned at the top of this, I, I started in metal radio in 83, all right, in New Jersey. And I remember going to see Motorhead, and I think it was Judas Priest at a show in New Jersey. Uh, would have been around 03 or something. And I was back in the dressing room with Lemmy, and you all remember your most passionate fan, Jethro. Oh, yeah. Jethro was there. Right. And Jethro was somebody that was a Anvil super fan and worked for you guys, too, at one point. Did yeah. he not? Yep. So Jethro comes up it to is. me, and he goes, hey. Because I had not. I mean, I, I played Metal on Metal when it came out. I was there in the very beginning with yeah. these guys, but I had not, I'd lost track like you did. I yeah. wasn't quite sure what was going on. And Jethro comes up to me in, in the dressing room. Let me sit in there having a Jack and Coke. And Jethro pulls me aside and he says to me, he goes, I got to tell you something about Lips and Rob. And immediately I was like, are they okay? Like, you know, it was almost as if like something bad had happened. He goes, there's going to be a documentary done on them. And my initial reaction was kind of like some of the stuff you were saying, like, well, are they, why are they well enough to, are they bit like, cause you think of documentaries, right, right. like there's a Bowie documentary right, out now. Right, like, right. and I'm like, is that going to like, and they go, no, it's a real guy doing it. And it's going to be like, it's not going to be some like hack together thing. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. So that's when it first got on my radar. When it got on your radar. And then I remember seeing, well, I said to, to Jethro, who sadly passed away not long after that, but I said to Jethro, I said, give me a contact for this guy making the movie, because not only do I love documentaries, I know the Anvil guys, I'd love to find out what's going on with it, if I can help get it going. And if, he gave me your email address, and that's yeah, when we first connected. That's right. And then I had just started doing that metal show, and we had a segment called Pick of the Week, where we'd hold up a CD or a magazine or something we liked that week. So without even seeing the film or knowing much about it, I mentioned it as a Pick of the Week as something I was excited about coming that was, out. You were the first person, Eddie, to actually bring it to the kind of consciousness. Well, I honestly do. I would never say that if I didn't think that, but I do no, believe it lit a happened. fire. Yeah, it, Because it, it all did. of a sudden people are like, well, I got to know about this. And then the next thing you know, I'm walking through the VH1 offices and every other office has a poster for the Anvil <laughs> film up there. And it's like, what's this? This is Anvil. Like, in no universe. I'll be totally honest with you. If I would have went without that film, if I would have went up to VH1 and said, yeah, we want to have a, do a TV show with Anvil. They would have said, who? Like, no, that's not going to happen. They wanted names, names. That was always the, the drive, you know? So it was a very quick 180 yeah. that uh, its thing just start, started well, what to was spread. Great, what was great from my point of view was being a fan. And I kind of knew that if we got the movie right, that it would completely throw the name back into the spotlight again, as it had been in 82 at the beginning or whatever. And it was so satisfying to see people discovering the band, the movie together. And a lot of people didn't even actually believe it was a real movie. Some people thought it was a mockumentary initially. And that was like so. There, there so are people that think that we're actors. <laughs> I fucking swear do, to God. Do you want to tell actors. them what happened in Ireland? So we're walking down the street yeah, in Ireland. Like we, we did the Galway Film Festival and we, we, it went down really well. We won the Audience Award. 
And anyway, these Irish girls came up to us as we were walking through the street and they went up to Rob and they said, your name's not Rob Reiner. And he said, yeah, it is. They said, that's the name of the director of Spinal Tap. And Rob said, yeah. And? And they said, show us your ID. So Rob gave these girls, these Irish girls who were like 16, 17 and slightly drunk, gave, him the, uh, gave them his passport because he was carrying it. And the girls looked, <laughs> looked at the passport, conferred quietly with each other. And then they said, you Hollywood people can get any props you like. <laughs> they didn't even believe his own passport. But, so, so, well, let me, anyway. let me say this. So this is interesting, and I mentioned this before you came in. So when you first told me about this re-release, which is what we're here to talk about, this for people so, – so there are many people that have seen the film probably and know the last 11 years of what's happened. But here, when you first approached me that you were going to do this, and our mutual friend Rick Krim did yeah. as well, huge my, advocate. My initial reaction was like, "Well, why? Because it's been <laughs> out for ten, eleven years. Like, what's kind of the point?" But here's what's interesting: I there is a point. Well, there. Well, do you think there's a point? <laughs> I hope you think there's a point. Wait, no, You're doing it's, it. quite, it's quite obvious. What, what's your, what, is, what do you think do you the point think, is? There's millions of new people who have never seen the movie That's before. That's exactly right. Well, yeah. Millions. And, and, here's, and there are young people, generations of can I Can I tell you what happened? So we did a screening last I week. I think that's a good enough point. Well, that's where I was going to go, <laughs> yeah, 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 Rob. Yeah. What I was okay. going to say okay. was right. I went to see Iron Maiden last night. Okay. And I was in the car with three friends who are into metal. And obviously, we're going to Maiden. And two of the three people in the car had not seen the film. Yes, exactly. And it blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how do you not know the Anvil movie? It to me, to me, Sasha, and I've said this yeah. before. I, I'm a documentary junkie. It's my favorite kind of film. And if it's about music, even better. If it's about rock, even better. But I, I firmly believe that this film and how good it was and is, is is one of the things that touched off this. In the last 10 years, the mm -hmm. amazing wave of music-based documentaries. And I really think, and I'm not just saying this because you're a friend and you guys are yeah. here, what have you. I really think that this film became sort of the touchstone for that. I really it's, do. It's so interesting you say that because when we were making the film, you know, you do really interesting things when you have no idea what you were doing. I just had an instinct. I had to make, make a movie about my friends. We, we had a homemade, you know, like it was really thrown together, man. I financed it myself. I put together a crew. We flew all over the world. We edited it at my kitchen table. But yeah. it looks great. And that's well, the other thing. It's a real it's movie. A, it's a real it's, movie. Well, I had we a, all know in the YouTube age, anybody can put anything up and right. call it a doc. Or this sure. is a real film. Well, it's a real film. Because I've seen it. Well, I mean, because Rebecca Yeldum is a real producer of great movies. And Chris Seuss, the cameraman, was brilliant. I mean, we had amazing people working on the film. And so what happened was it just was this very personal, instinctual movie. And I think you're right. Because... Okay, Searching for Sugar Man came two years later, and actually Searching for Sugar Man won the Academy Award. And Simon Chin, who produced that movie, called me up the day after they won the Oscar and said, thank you to Anvil, because you guys sort of laid the table for everyone else. Because, because Anvil was not long-listed for, for the documentary, um, they changed the rules around music docs. And within five years of Anvil coming out, 20 Feet from Stardom, Amy, and, um, and Searching for Sugar Man had won the Academy Award. Mm. So it was, in one sense, a, a little bit of a precursor, but I'm so happy for that. Like when Simon Chin called me, I mean, what, what greater compliment can you get from, you know, this, this filmmaker, Simon, who also produced Man on Wire? I mean, he has two Oscars. He yeah. called me and he said to me, like, your film was the beginning and really helped all the other films. I mean, that's the most beautiful thing. But when you're doing it, of course, you have no idea. 
Right. You know, I mean, you, you don't intend that. Okay, so here's what we got to do. So, Steve, uh, so all of this, what's happening is, as I've been mentioning, is tonight at the Saban Theater here in Los Angeles will be the official re-premiere of Anvil, the story of Anvil. Obviously, the band will be there. Sasha will be there. I'll be there. Uh, Steve O is hosting, hosting this, yeah. which I understand he will be calling in I any think he's second. Calling in any second, yeah. and we'll so we'll get to him. And then after the movie plays, you guys are going to do a song or two. Scott's going to come up and play with you still. Scott Ian, is that still the plan? That is the plan. So we that you'll do that right after that. the movie. And this is open to the public tonight, right? It is, yeah. And okay. we and we're just overwhelmed with the response. Has been absolutely incredible. Like we're we're struggling to find tickets for guests. Eight o'clock tonight. Saban uh, Theater, Beverly Saban, Hills. Saban, yeah. Saban, Saban Theater in Beverly Hills. Come on out if you are in the area, and you can see the movie again in a great setting on on a, on a big screen again. And you were telling me that the film's not has not been available on streaming or anything well, we, for a little bit. We you pulled it back when you did the re-release. So when we did this these screenings last summer, my my godson kind of began. We we got very lucky that Robert Schwartzman, who is um, an incredible musician, he was in a band Rooney. He's also a filmmaker. He had a distribution company. So he came to this screening and all these kids ago. He said, you know, I release movies. I think we should re-release this movie. So basically what he did was he said, okay, if we're going to do this, let's withdraw it from all the platforms. Sure, it makes sense. So we remastered sound, remastered picture. If you go into a theater, you're going to see special content only in theaters. But tonight, you're going to get a special show. And Steve-O, who's an absolute mega fan, um, of the of the guys, but also their music and the band and the movie is is hosting for us. Last week we did a little East Coast event at, at the Angelica in New York, which we sold out. Which was Peter Dinklage hosted the event, mm -hmm. and this is when we started to feel, oh, something's happening. I asked the audience how many people had never seen the movie. Two thirds of the hands went up. Yeah, that amazed me, and that made all the sense in the world when I started talking to people about me doing this and having you guys in and coming out for this. They were like, well, the some people are like, well, we, we've seen it. We know we know about sure. it. But the amount of people that did not Correct. was amazing to me. And I'm glad now that this is happening because it needs to, it, it's a film that well, needs to be seen. But you know what's interesting, Eddie, is that all of the people who bought tickets are kids, 18 to 25. Well, they would have been eight or nine. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, that's exactly it's the, the point. Generations have changed. Yeah. I mean, even when you talk about when I first did it on the TV show and mentioned it, and then you guys since came on a couple of times, we did that thing from the hard rock where you played. Yeah. yeah. Even my old TV show, I run into people now that are 22 years old. Now that show has been off the air seven, eight years now, and it doesn't replay anywhere ridiculously and, and what have you, but I will always get stopped about that show, but I'll get stopped by people who are now about 23 Who, or 22, yeah. and they'll say, my dad loved that show. made me watch it <laughs> when I was eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then That's you so put cool. that in the context, and you're like, holy yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. this is crazy. There's yeah. a whole new world. Oh, yeah. So the same yeah. thing for you guys in this film. It's a whole new world. Do you know, do you yeah. know that it's what's interesting what's happened with us? So Robert Schwartzman, who runs the company Utopia, he's really ballsy. He's like, let's put it out into theaters. It's going into 220 theaters, five times the scale of the original release. He said, because it's a new movie, so they're treating it like a new film. I don't when? Know when theatrically? September 27th. Okay. It goes across the country. It's everywhere. Like in L.A., it has nine play dates. Okay. And then Angelica is taking it for week-long runs everywhere. So it's, it's already expanding because theaters are feeling these kids want to see it. Obviously, they, they, they keep booking the movie. So we're, it's, it's kind of an unusual thing. It's so unusual that this guy, Orion Williams, who's the producer of the great 
documentary Control about Joy Division. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a great... I actually did, I think. So it's an incredible movie. So he's now talking with those folks because they're now going to use the Anvil model and take that movie out again into theaters because most people have not seen it. So we're sort of, you know, starting off something, hopefully. And I know that we're in a streaming world and I know everybody is just, you know, streaming everything these days and all that. But I got to tell you, there is no substitute for seeing a movie in a proper theater on a big screen with big sound. I, Especially yeah, tonight because, yeah, you know, we're, we're, there's going to be at least a thousand people there tonight. So that's already nearly twice the size of the original premiere. Yeah. And it's all the some of the original fans coming back, but it's all these kids who've heard about the movie from TikTok or whatever were coming out so i'm excited to yeah see i went I mean. to the premiere of the dio documentary here on tuesday at, at uh, man's chinese and it's the second time i saw it both times in theaters and yeah that community of people around you that energy now, you don't want people talking i had the person behind me talking around the movie i want to turn around and strangle them but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's still an energy and a vibe of the gathering going in it felt like going into a rock show yeah yeah yeah. and in the case of tonight you guys are actually going to put on a little rock show at the end right you're actually play yeah we're going to play four songs but it, it's amazing the amount of people the film has touched. I remember the original premiere, yeah. which you were nice enough to bring me out for here in L.A. Yeah. Um, you were like, I remember Sasha saying to me, he's like, hey, there's going to be all kinds of Hollywood people there. And I was like, for Anvil like, Doc? Really? really? Like, they're going to want to hear March of the Crabs? Like, what are we talking about? And, the, and then, and then uh, yeah, sure this, enough. There's Dustin Hoffman, right? Sure, Dustin Hoffman. Sure enough, this. I'm sitting, like, look next to me, and there's friggin' Dustin Hoffman as you guys are playing Metal on Metal. I'm like, that's Dustin. What? what? Every band was, it was, it was like surreal. Ryan Gosling and, like, every, every, every It was bizarre. Because I think. Great, what, but bizarre. Like, it's bizarre. But it's about these themes of universe. Like, it's for dreamers everywhere, this movie. It's not just about metal. And I think that's the chord. And particularly, I think, with Dustin Hoffman, it was the Jewish aspect of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this, the story that I won't ruin the, the movie. You should right. see it. But Rob's family's backstory. He really connected in with that. It's such a profound way. And uh, he brought all his kids to see the movie, like all of them. Let, let me, let me, uh, we'll, when we see Steve O light up, we'll go to a break, then we'll come back and we'll talk some more. We'll go to the end of the show and if, we'll take some calls from the audience and all of that. But um, I got a question for, for Lips and Rob on this because this is something you guys are, one of the, the great themes about the film is how honest you are, how open and revealing you are about your relationship, lack of people at the shows, working a day job. I'm, I, it's been a long time since I've seen the film. I'm so, so looking forward to it. Eddie, can I tell you, I'm so happy now that you're going to see it on a big screen with great sound tonight with an audience because I well, think- Well, I did at that first premiere too, right, but right, it's right, been right. a long, like I, there's a lot I don't remember about yeah. it. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward it's to seeing gonna, it It's going to hit you like a different way. I just yeah, saw it, it recently and it's it fucked me right up. <laughs> I, I, it fucked me up. Yeah. I couldn't fucking believe what I was watching. Well, right. uh, I shouldn't uh, be part, laughing part, when he says part, that, but it's part funny. of it. Part of it is that there's a quite a number of, Passed away yeah. people. Oh, okay. a lot of people like, that movie. Well, really realizing yeah. it. Like when we talk about Jethro, I mean, yeah. he, he not died. just one he, of the yeah, people. He's, he's, he's not. I don't think people. he's in it, but that was just around. The, no, no, was no, he no, in it? Was in Jethro it. in it? He's yeah, in it. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, yeah. I mean, he was the guy that used to bring them to me to the radio show when I did back yeah. in the day. Yeah, it'll have so, a different impact on you. Yeah, I'm sure it will. In studio with the Anvil guys and director Sasha Gervasi, we just kind of painted the past for you a little bit about the initial release of the film and then the reasons why it's being re-released and the rollout that's happening, and that all kicks off with a re-release event tonight at the Saban Theater here in L.A. That will be quite an affair with a lot of uh, great people there and also Anvil performing a few songs at the end of the screening of the movie. So should be a lot of fun indeed. Uh, the host for the festivities tonight 
is joining us live right now on the show, calling in. And I don't think I've ever had him on the show, so it's great to welcome him. Steve-O is on the uh, phone. Hey, Steve, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're all good. Hey, Steve-O, how are you, brother? We miss you. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to see you guys, Lips and Rob. And Sasha, you know I love you so much, man. I, I'm so happy for you guys and just everything that's happened since we met, uh, what, 12 years ago? 13, I think. 14 even, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, Steve, did you? Unbelievable, man. What an what inspirational story. And uh, I almost missed this call. I set my alarm, but it seems I set it for uh, 1 a.m., so my alarm didn't go off, and I was busy shooting a video about uh, all of the places, businesses, and the airline that have banned me for life. <laughs> it was a video about terrible, terrible behavior. But but not your, the Eddie Trunk show. Well, no, not. You're always welcome here, Steve. Not a problem at all. Yeah, well, well, well thank you. I, I appreciate that a great deal. So... Uh, yeah, man. Uh, what, what an honor to be the host for this event tonight. Um, I mean, it, it's uh, I was talking about it with Sasha like night before last. We, we were at, at my house and um, it's just really incredible how this movie, it, it just seems to resonate even more now than when it first came out. And it's finding this whole new younger audience and, uh, I mean, kids are in tears over this. It's so moving. I remember when That's... it came out, it had like 96% uh, rot on Rotten Tomatoes. It was like the I most... believe that's 98. Like... <laughs> Sasha said you're off too. He knows exactly. He's got it tattooed on his arm, the 98%. It's 98. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Steve, were you? well-reviewed, the most well-received, most beloved, wonderful film and thank God it's getting another uh, another release. Hey, Steve, were you a big Anvil fan prior to the movie, or did you discover the band through the movie? I I knew very little about Anvil prior to the movie. Uh, candidly, so, I learned all about it uh, when the movie came out. And uh, have you since gotten into their music and gone back and listened to their records? <laughs> I have. Um, as a matter of fact, I believe it was Lips sent me every single one of their albums. What a sweetheart. No, um, it was me. It, it was, was Robbo. It was Robbo. <laughs> it was Wait, 98%. It was Robbo. There you go. What a sweetheart you are, Rob. Thank you for that. No problem. Um, I mean, I just can't say enough about the, the tireless devotion to the art. Yeah, it's a, it's a, like we said earlier, it really is a very inspiring a film about perseverance and hanging in there and sticking to your guns. And that's something I think we can all relate to being in the respective fields of what we do. You and, know? and you know what's really interesting that Steve, I mentioned the younger audience is I asked these kids in New York, like, what? like why is this film affecting you? You know, and they said, we've been locked up for two or three years, mm. COVID, we've been on Zoom, we haven't been able to socialize. They feel that like really critical years of their development have kind of been taken away from them. And they said, we need hopeful stories. And this for us, is a really inspiring story. That's what we need right now. So I think we didn't really realize that, but that's the truth. Like if you're a 17 year old man and, you, and you've been locked down for two years, you know, it's, you're getting depressed. Yeah. And this is a movie that takes a really intense, tough, honest circumstance and shows that even in the worst of circumstances, there's hope and there can be a reason to continue. 
And I think that's what the kids seem to be responding to as far as what they told us last week in New York. Steve, Rob was just saying that he had not seen the movie in a while. You're saying you saw it again and it was completely different for you. Yeah, completely different impact on me. Completely. How so? Yeah, like, I... Uh, uh, I I, I forced my now fiance to watch it uh, fairly early in our relationship. I told her, I asked her if she knew about it. She did not. And I told her that that was not okay. And uh, <laughs> uh, deal breaker. I forced, <laughs> yeah, I forced her to watch it, and it was great. Um, I don't remember having a, 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 diff, a very different um, reaction to it. I think it's just the same wonderful movie that it was i mean when uh, but then again i mean i can understand rob you know if i saw a movie about me i'm sure that it would hit me pretty differently too so (laughs) yeah yeah well i haven't seen in years Uh, when how long was it between the two viewings for you uh for me it was a good good eight years Oh, and it still had the same effect on you. Okay, well. Yeah, I think so. I really, like, uh, you know, and, and I think that that, um, it, it's, uh, there's nothing bad about that. I mean, the, the effect no, no, on no. me was, uh, you know, it was the for, most, for me, like, I, yeah, just yeah, wonderful. For me, there's, yeah, for me, there's three aspects that hit me. It was all the people that are no longer with us, which is a lot. Right. Um. Everybody's gotten older. That's still yeah. around. And a lot has changed for the band. The band that's in that movie is not really the band that's here today. Well, let me ask you, let me jump in on that because we have your bass player of the last nine years here. Yes. Christ, uh, Christ is here. Is here. Yes. Hello. So, Christ, <laughs> let me let you jump in here. This film was obviously made before you were in the band. You watched the film, I'm assuming. You saw the film prior to joining the band. I had to kind of learn what I was getting into. I was going it to was say, the best you, venue to do that. You, watched it, you still wanted to go into the band. You still wanted to join after you saw it. It's okay, I, I, okay, okay, okay. I, and yet, it 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 still it still just scratches the surface. Once you get to know them, it's 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 almost slightly different than what what you they you perceive them in the movie. Mm. I almost perceived Lips as sort of a a heavier kind of guy, but 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 but. I, I, in terms of being a heavy, you know what I mean. Well, when he's got a, well, he's got a, he's got an order against the wall yeah. to get paid. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I got. Robbo seemed to be more mellow and more relaxed for some odd reason, and I find that is completely opposite. <laughs> well, no, not really. Robbo's Robbo's always relaxed. He's always very confident in what he's doing, and Lips is. Uh, Lips is just a sweetheart. <laughs> well, I think you see that in the movie, but you see, you know, you see. Well, you see it in the movie, yeah, yeah. but there are times when, when you're looking at Lips as he's, he's the guy, he's, he's the guy in charge, you sure. know what I mean? But, and the great thing about shooting 300 hours of footage is we have plenty of footage of what you experience on a daily basis. And I think for the movie, it's taking, you know, it's structuring it and getting the best highlights because Absolutely. we well, got those really intimate scenes because we were shooting for two years. Well, Sash, let me ask you something here. So you said, Steve, do you have to go, or you want to sit in with us through this? I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hanging tough, guys. I'm, I'm in there. <laughs> all right, all right. So hang out. So jump in anytime, Steve. But Sasha, let me ask you this: You just mentioned you shot like 300 hours of yeah. footage to make yeah. this film, which is about 90 minutes long, if yeah. I recall. Was there any thought given to for the re-release doing a re-edited, expanded special edition sort of vibe? There, there is, and we're doing a special edition Blu-ray 
Blu-ray, which has got all these extra commentary tracks. I've done new ones with the band and me and the producer and me and all these different things and, and podcasts and interviews that we've done over the years. There was a thought, actually, at one point we were going to maybe do a sequel, and I shot a lot of footage for it. And then I watched. You told me about that. It's going right. to be called Anvil Saves the World. No, it's going to be Anvil Two Quest for World Peace. That's right. Who knows? Like Anything that. could happen. But anyway, so I shot a lot of stuff, and then I just sort of watched the movie again, and I thought, what do else do I want to add? And I just felt the movie. It's like it took so much work to get there. I felt it's a very delicate thing. You know, as soon as you start making editorial changes, I felt let's just honor the movie as was and offer this bonus content, extra scenes, and all these other things. So when you go into a theater, you're going to see. A, a thing specifically linked uh, only for theatres. So you're going to get an 18-minute specific interview that you can only see in theatres, and that's September the 27th. Okay, uh, and you could go to anvilthefilm.com to find all that's the information right, all and tickets. locations near you. And what can I just say one other great thing is that we've been embraced now. Before, we were a little art house movie that, you know, we were lucky if we got like a four four o'clock slot in an art house somewhere in Chicago. You know, we're playing AMCs, like we're yeah. doing The Grove, we're playing Regals, we're playing big houses because I think those exhibitors have realized over the years it just has now become kind of a cult movie, right. but it has a real audience, so... Hopefully this time we're going to add to that with all these young people. Lipson, Rob, I, I, I've always wanted to ask you this since this film came out. So initially, after the initial release of the film, there was all this buzz about Anvil. And you got some great opportunities. I remember I saw you open for ACDC at a stadium show. There was a lot going on. Yep. If we're being honest, as you guys are, the, 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 that didn't really continue. So the impact of this film, although it created great awareness for Anvil, it did not elevate the band to this huge level in terms of draw. It didn't suddenly put you in arenas and what have you. Well, that was never going to happen. But but I have a theory for that, and I'm wondering that if you guys agree happen. with that. What, what, it, what was achieved was what we wanted. The band is our shitty day job. <laughs> <laughs> they, ever since and, the movie, and, they've haven't been back to a regular job in, since in since the movie years. came out. So you yeah. know we're making a damn great living from the band only, right? There's, Which I, that's that's success to us guys. Well, I get that, but okay. did yeah, you dude. hope and expect no. that hey, this? Steve-O, no, Steve-O's on that one. No, right? <laughs> well, we're not. A, we're not a pop yeah. band. But, but neither is Iron Maiden, and yeah, they're but, but you know, forget, we, yeah, we don't but, need to but, go but that way. yeah, but Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden was a pop band because in 1982 they were all over the radio. No, so, I don't know where you heard Iron Maiden on the radio. I endless, did. endless. Come on, no way. What song? How about Run to the Hills? Right it's not. I, a hit I song. would say that Run to the Hills Run was on the, the radio hills. every ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, no my kidding. point is this, yeah. and it's circling back to what something Sasha said earlier, where Sasha said that your producer of this film or whoever it was was or somebody said did not like heavy metal but, but loved, loved the it. film absolutely and that's where i'm getting at i think this film crosses bridges where of course metal fans loved it but there's also a big segment of people that i know personally Stop. that wouldn't listen to any metal but, but love the, the film yeah, yeah, they loved it. That. there was a disconnect yeah if you want to hear that part yes there was disconnect there yeah. are movie people who are movie people and there's and movie people, people who are music people right yeah and that's what we experienced. Yeah. So it wasn't across the board. People stopped at the movie. I mean, I think for me, right. from my point of view, the, the whole intention of the film was obviously to elevate the band. We did that. Clearly. I, mean, I, I will say that standing on the stage at Giant Stadium as the band's opening for ACDC. I was and, there. And people were going, have have you know. And they played Gillette Stadium and Moncton. I mean, they played to 50, 60, 70,000 people with ACDC multiple times, being, you know, all the talk show exposure on The Tonight Show and all that stuff. 
But what it did do is it meant they never had to work again at anything other than the thing they love. To me, that's sustained for 15 yeah. years. So you know, we've, prior recorded, to the we've move, recorded five albums since that Including movie. the new one, Impact okay. is Imminent, which, right. which is out now. Yes. But, but what, what I'm getting at is that's what I'm trying to find out from you. And we're you. doing 160 shows a year. Right. But all the, the, ch- the change from the movie, pre-movie to post-movie, on the band is what I'm trying to yeah. get from you. Is you've seen it's it was significant. You, like you you yes. were able to you've not you know, had the, to work your day job since the film came out. You know right. in the movie I say to lips I say to him, man, I need this band to rise. <laughs> yeah, I remember. The that. band has risen <laughs> compared to the movie. Right. No question about yeah, it. We can get more popular, sure. Right, we you know we have but the stage. But, but it's like Finally I said, we're not, we're not a radio. Dollars. We're not a radio-oriented band. Never have been. Never, never aspired to be. That's not what this was about. Right. This it's it's about metal. Metal is is an underground thing, and the and the more above ground, the less the less the le- less is more. You don't really want to get above ground. Then you end up like not liked. Waterhead's a great template for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever you want to look at that, that you know, whatever Lemmy did, that was great. <laughs> There's a documentary on Lemmy too. I don't yeah, know but, 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 but very good. But, but, musically, I'm saying, saying, saying is, no, I know it's what you're not, saying. It's not. It's not like they're they're not, you know, uh, commercial success. They didn't sell millions and millions of copies of their records. They haven't, you know, it's. We're, we're, we're good. That's we not, get to work, Eddie. What, we get to anything work. Anything that's real metal won't really do that. We get to work. Well, not my opinion. Well, what, what what would you say about a band like Slayer? Well, same with them. Slayer played arenas and they never had a song on the radio even close. So there are exceptions to that. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, so, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, here's yeah, the thing. but uh, that, that's 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 an above that's an above above the ground, but under still under the radar because they're not they're right, not a pop right, right. band. My only question in, about all this is did you sense that that along the way with this that there are plenty yes. of people that love the film but we the, whether we, it's Metallica, Slayer, Iron Maiden whatever they they couldn't care less they loved the story of it. Yes, Anvil. yes. We we became aware of that quite yeah. quite I mean early also on. remember the fans of the film and the fans of the band there's an intersection but they're often quite different That's groups. exactly my and, point. And, but I think that's also great. Yeah. Because so many of those people ended up being exposed to the band, coming to the shows, buying the records, and that continues to this yeah. day. Obviously, their it fortunes, has not stopped. Their fortunes have improved incredibly. But for me, what, what, what this movie has done, I think, is turned Anvil into legends. <laughs> like They're just um, across music. Like, Lips will, will tell you, when we first debuted the movie at the Barry, I mean, he said, these two guys want to talk to you because they love this film and they love it. And I went out and I was like, you know, it was like Chris Martin from Coldplay and Jay-Z. So a lot of people outside of metal. Yeah, that's have... exactly my point. That right. this reached way beyond reached way the beyond. natural metal audience. Yes, we're absolutely aware of that. Yeah. And I, and that's a, I think that's a hugely positive thing because, but within metal, like, like, like I said, just to give up their day jobs for 15 years and be able to play as much as they do. I wasn't aware that that, that, that had happened yeah. off of the movie. That yeah. Well, since. now, well, now yeah. you know. You know, yeah. we, we, you know we, we tell people. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm proud of it. Yeah, well, as you, know, you we should were, be, we, sure. we, we earned it, and we've worked our ass off for yeah. all this, you know? Yeah, no doubt. But that's, this is a band that plays 160 shows a year. Yeah. Every year since the film. And I think that's so satisfying from my point of view to see that it's just, they do what we, they love. You know, we tour here in America, all, you know, uh, once a year. 
You what? We tour here in America once a year. At least. More than one. I mean, yeah, no, like once a year, every year. Oh, we, yeah, every a year tour, we come, right, yeah, sure. we come to America. Of we course. Just, we just, yeah, we a, just, we just we finished just 40, 40 shows here. Right, and where have you gone uh, internationally that's maybe opened up for you guys more since the film? Are there certain parts China, of the world? China, China, like, like, like China. <laughs> all over the place. You know, going China, to, Japan, Australia, yes. Australia, South America. The UK is a big deal, and um, UK is re-releasing yeah, the film too, yes. and so they'll tour... Uh, so the film's giving them another burst. It's an all another wave. But prior to that, they're still playing these places, and you know, you co-headlined yeah. with Saxon, yeah. and you know, there's been some great stuff that's happened. Hey, we, tour, we tour all over the world. Hey, Steve, when yeah. was the first time you saw Anvil live, like a full show? Uh, I saw them live. I believe they played right after the screening of the movie that I attended. The first time I saw it. Yeah, they did play the first. You guys did play the initial premiere too. Yeah, I remember yeah, you yeah. played a few songs. Yeah, they afterwards. played right so. in the right in the theater, and they're going to play tonight. And I don't know. I don't want to ruin any surprises about any guest drummers, but uh, there guest might drummers? Be no, no, no. There's no, 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 no. You part. can't. There's no <laughs> guest drummers. Just Neil Pert from Rush. Uh, bringing he's him coming back. back. The, he's the, coming. He's, he's making, coming back. Special, special. <laughs> he wants to do YYZ with Anvil, and they're ready. How could he have a guest drummer when you got a drummer like Rob Reiner? Who's going to replace Ex- Rob? Exactly. Pulling, I think, I think no one's seat. doing that. You kidding me? Nobody yeah. could play those really double kicks point. like that. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Um, all right. Well, we have about to, Steve. If you, I'm going to grab some calls, you want you're going to hang because I'll lock you in on the phone. You know what? You I I got to switch over. I've got the the jackass director Jeff Tremaine calling me up to remind me of more things that I've been banned for from or banned <laughs> from for life, and uh, it's just too important. So um, I will. Well, I understand. Tonight at the Sabin. And uh, also, uh, the same day this comes out in theaters, is that the 27th, this coming Tuesday? Yeah. That's the day that theaters. my new book, A Hard Kick in the Nuts, is available oh, everywhere yeah. books are sold. <laughs> he signed me a copy uh, and then put it on my nuts, which is I thought right? was very sweet. Thank you, Steve. I love it. But hey, good I luck love, with... love you guys. Thank you. We'll see, see you tonight, man. Good luck with man. the book. Thank Much you. Love. <laughs> All right, see you. There he goes, Steve-O, your host for tonight's event at the Saban Theater here with Anvil. Let's get a few fo- uh, phone calls before you guys, uh, we have to wrap up here. Let's go to Toronto. Here's Ricky joining us now on Trunk Nation. What's up, Rick? Oh, it's Ricky, Richie, by the way. Richie. Richie, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, I just want to give a shout-out to the guys. I'm really proud of them, uh, you know, representing Toronto. And, uh, you know, putting, you know, the Toronto metal attention. Uh, but these guys, you know what? You have to admire that they never change. They never bow down. They're just who they are for decades. And I don't see them ever stopping. Anvil is Anvil. Yeah, thank you. Is there any, uh, is, is there any, was there ever any talk amongst you guys about retirement or farewell tour of any kind? Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Lips is saying no, and Rob's saying not yet. Lips was shaking his head unequivocally. Just, just, no, just laughing. <laughs> just just they, like they're going to die on the stage, Eddie. Come on, they're going to keep right. going. No, well, we, we've actually got our next album all written. Is that right? Yeah, we're going to record it next August. All right. So that tells you something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Ricky. Anything else? Are you good? Yeah, I, I just want to say I really am happy and honored. Uh, I could die tomorrow a happy man. I once had the pleasure and honor to open for them in 2013. Um, yeah, it's re- I, just, I just saw the guys in Ajax uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
All right, very cool. Well, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Guy, who's in California, joining us right now. Hey, Guy. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man, you're on the air. Hey, thanks a lot for taking my call. I just got to tell you, um, I saw Anvil about two months ago, the second time I've seen him before, since before COVID when it hit. These guys put on a show that's just amazing. But the most amazing thing is Liz comes out there with his guitar, talking through it, comes out into the crowd, shakes hands with everybody, pictures. I got a great video he took. He was doing this great solo right in front of me. He's laughing and smiling. And you watch up and you watch Anvil. And Chris is an amazing showman. He's, he's, he's just, lo I love watching him, his facial expressions, and he's just the way he plays. You can just see everything in these guys. And at the end of the show, he comes out, Lip says, I'm going to talk to everybody. And he comes out and just shakes hands. And then you don't see that a lot. And these guys are just amazing. And you're not charging money for it. You're just going no. out there. Yeah, there's no meet and greet. No. Money for that. <laughs> but, but that's where all we this, are the people's band. But that's where this all began. Because I was a 15-year-old kid, and they were listening to me. Yeah. You know, and that's really rare because when I was at those shows in the Marquee, man, they were all so difficult. Those rock stars, they would look down, you're just the fans. Yeah. yeah. And Anvil was the opposite. Yeah. And that's why there's a movie because had they treated me like shit, I wouldn't have wanted to make a movie. Exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, Guy, for the call. Appreciate it. Let's get one more in here. This is Aaron, who is from New Jersey but is now in Ottawa. Hi, Aaron. You're on the air. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Excited to, to hear that the movie's coming back. Um, I wanted to tell you a quick thing that sounds self-aggrandizing, but it actually adds weight to the to what happened. Um, Scott Ian, had, I was having dinner with Scott Ian and some other people, and Scott said that he saw you guys open for ACDC, and during the show you ran into Slash, and they both just looked at each other with their jaws dropped and said, was this the best show we've ever seen? And they agreed. So I said, well, with an endorsement like that, I have to go to the show. So I ended up taking a friend. We went to the show at Giant Stadium, which will forever be called Giant Stadium. And yes. uh, yep. it was unbelievable, amazing. I am so grateful I got to see you guys live and what was an amazing show. Throughout the entire show, all night, whenever somebody was mentioning, oh, my God, did, who was that opening band? Or, oh, my God, I got to see Anvil. The next question was, did you see the movie? And it just I could just feel the ripples of everybody in that stadium going home to find that movie as soon as they could. And I'm so glad now that I'm going to get to see it with good sound on a huge screen, just rocking out in the aisles. Oh, very cool. Thank you so much for the call, Aaron. Much appreciated. Thank uh, you. Everybody can, everybody can find out where they can see the film at anvilthefilm.com. So before we run out of time here, uh, on the Anvil front, for you guys, unrelated to the movie, you mentioned you just toured in the U.S. The latest album is out now, and the plan going forward from here off of the movie is what? You next said you have week, a record written. That's Yeah, we're going next week uh, to Europe for, for 60 shows. Okay. Until Christmas. Then we're going to Aus Australia. Australia. It's going to be announced. And, yeah, we're going to Australia. And, and, and Singapore. Singapore. And probably Vietnam and, as well. And then we're coming back to America. Again. And it's interesting because the movie's now following the band. Right. <laughs> so we just got an offer for Australia to re-release the movie. So we'll try and coordinate with their tour. We just got an offer from England to re-release the movie. So I think we're going to do something there. A big launch event in the central in central London, a Piccadilly Circus. And so we're we're looking forward to it. It's like it's funny, like the, we're now following the band's yeah. tour. Where we're, we're gonna continue touring as much as we can. We're gonna make a new record and keep that's all like, you know, the band is our shitty day job. Is there is there a country or a city 
that is the biggest for Anvil right now in terms of draw? Like your like mm-hmm. every band has it's, that it's ran- in America. Stronghold. It's very random. Yeah, yeah. Different markets we do well. Some not so well. How about know? outside of America? Yeah. We do well uh, in Germany, oh. England. We we do actually quite well now in Canada. We, Which we've, we've you really, hadn't in the past? Not not no, not, 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 like, not like not, now. Not, not like it is now. No, right. We really have risen in Canada. Yeah. Thank you, Canadian rockers. <laughs> we got yeah. Canadian listeners as well. Sash, what are you working on next? Real quick. Oh, right now, I'm working, on, I'm working on the show called The Crown, a Netflix show, which I've been working on, and I'm about to direct a movie with Helen Mirren. Awesome. Well, great stuff, guys. Thank you so much for coming in. Congratulations on the re-release, anvilthefilm.com. The new Anvil album, Impact is Imminent, is out now. That's the latest record. And uh, keep an eye open, as you just heard, wherever you are in the world, Anvil is probably coming to your your corner, whether you're in America, (laughs) Canada, Singapore, wherever you are, uh, look for Anvil coming your way. Thank you guys for coming in. Thank you. Well, great to see those guys, and they are out there touring right now. And uh, the movie, Anvil, the story of Anvil, recently re-released. I did attend the re-premiere of it there in L.A., and the band did jam at the end of it. There was a Q&A. It was a big star-studded event. So it was very cool to have done that, which happened just after the interview you heard. That night was the re-premiere at the Saban Theater in L.A., Turned off, uh, came off really, really well. A lot of people there and a really good event. And it was great to see that movie again. Uh, I'll tell you, I almost wish that I would have seen the film again prior to talking to those guys in the interview you just heard because there was a lot that happened in the film that I forgot about because it had been like 10 years since I saw it. So if you saw it back in the day, worth checking out again. If you never saw the Anvil movie, which is one of the reasons why it's being re-released, because there's younger people that never saw it, you can absolutely go and uh, seek it out because it has been reissued and even did a quick theatrical run again. All right, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join me every day on Sirius XM Channel 103, live daily, 3 to 5 Eastern on Faction Talk, and you'll get all your rock talk news and interviews there. And, of course, you can listen to anything you want, audio, video, and more, by putting in Trunk Nation in the search bar on the Sirius XM app, and everything is there on demand. Everybody have a great week. Hopefully you catch me on the radio. If not, back here next Thursday for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. <laughs>